Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Amen. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it. Amen. Amen. Hello. Hello. There we are. Rosie the preacher. How about that? I'm talking this morning about integrity. Integrity. And uh, we're looking at the life of Joseph. Not that Joseph. Joseph from the Bible. We can look at Joseph. He's full of integrity. But yeah, the story's really just inspired me this week. And we had um, Lighthouse in the Park last week. And the week before, we had Thomas talking about being doers of the word, not just hearers only. And I think there's a follow-through on your faith, isn't there? If you say you believe something, then act like you believe that something and hold fast to your faith and hold fast to your confession. And what's interesting about Joseph is that there was a series of events that kind of always seemed to get him in trouble. Mostly in trouble because of things he said. Maybe he was young and arrogant and uh, spoke out his dreams and his brothers tried to crush his dreams, didn't they? And uh, they sold him off into slavery, into Egypt. And that's where we're going to pick the story up today in Genesis chapter 39. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow that along. But Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we ask that you speak to us and you make it relevant for us today, Lord, that we can see something in these stories that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and challenge us in how we live and how we move and in all of our being, let it be for you and for your glory. Thank you for your steadfast love and your kindness that you've shown us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that's inspiring us and challenging us every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, as I said, we're talking about integrity. And when we look for maybe our political leaders you know, there's an expectation that they live with integrity. You know, if they set out some rules, you expect them to follow said rules. And time and time again, we seem disappointed because we find out that these are merely human beings and uh, they, they don't always follow through. But I say as men and women of God, we want to be people that, that follow through and uh, live out with integrity what we believe. And I know in our nation today, many aren't turning to God when they need help. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit is rising within the church. I think the Holy Spirit is, is rising up men and women of God of integrity who will take their stand, who will say, this far and no further. And this is where we draw the line. And this is what we say, we hold to the standard of his righteousness and not some moral relativity um, that the world seems to be caught up with. But the church is rising up through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what gives the church credibility is that we live by our beliefs and we hold on to our faith and we trust in God without wavering. And that is our testimony. Our testimony, what, is God, what has God done in your life? We can debate theology, we can have so many different voices and opinions out there. What they can't refute is your story. What is your story? What has God done for you? What can you tell others that God has done for you? How you handle the pressures of, the, of life is 
how you deal with adversity, how you deal with challenges and still hold on to your faith is a testimony in itself. The familiar story we're reading this morning, the young protagonist, the dreamer, and uh, sold into slavery by some jealous brothers into Egypt. And that's where we pick up the story. I'll just read it. Now Joseph was taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the garden, an Egyptian, brought him out bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. But the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. He was, the, he was in the house of the, his Egyptian master and his master saw that the Lord was with him and caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, made him overseer of his house, put him in charge of all that he had. And from that time, he made him an overseer in his house, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all he had in house and field. So he left all he had in Joseph's charge. And with him there, he had no concerns for anything apart from the food that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome and good-looking. And after a time, his master's wife cast his eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, with me here, my master has no concerns about anything in his house. He has put everything into my hand. He is, not, um, he is not greater in this house than I, nor has he kept anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How could then I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know, his integrity meant that he had to live in a way that he was not going to sin against God. I love that. And although uh, she spoke to Joseph day after day, he still would not consent to lie with her or to be with her. And one day he went into the house to do his work. While, he was, while there was no one else in the house, she caught hold of his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left it in her hand, fled and ran outside. And when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called to the members of her household and said to them, See, my husband has brought this Hebrew amongst us to insult us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. When he heard me raise my voice and cry out, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. She kept the garment until the master came home, and she told him the same story. This servant that you have brought to insult me. And as I raised my voice, and he left his garment and fled outside. And the master heard these words. His wife spoke to him and said, this is the way your servant have treated me. He became outraged. Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he remained there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love, gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph's care all the other prisoners that were there in the prison. And whatever was done, he was the one who would do it. The chief jailer paid no heed to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it, it prosper. I think this is an amazing uh, story, isn't it? And there's so many lessons that we can learn from this. And I think Joseph could have had a very different attitude when these things were happening to him. But he seemed to hold on to his faith. He seemed to hold on to his integrity. Perhaps he's looking towards a bigger picture. So one thing, we let's look at the bigger picture. That's my first point this morning. My second point is keep ourselves from temptation. Stay away from danger. 
run, flee if you have to. Well, you do have to sometimes. And then continue to believe and trust in God, even though we go through some um, difficulties and hardships and hold on to our integrity. Time and time again in this scripture, it's reported that Joseph had favor with God. And I think that's the big picture. God has favor upon us because of what Jesus Christ has done. We are his children. We are placed in his care. And when we trust in him, he is the one that is giving us his steadfast love. I love that. And causing us to prosper. In Titus, it says, I believe that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospered. And when he, when he was faced with temptation and that challenge, he held his integrity. He didn't know the end of the story. You see, he's like, I'm doing my best here, working for my father, then I'm in, in a pit, then I'm in slavery, and then I'm doing my best I can where I am, and God is trusting me, and my master's trusting me, and here I am in the prison because it's not something that I've done, but something that uh, someone else has put me in this position, but he didn't seem, to, didn't seem to face him. He just seemed to rise to the top, because it just says, but the Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love. He didn't choose slavery, imprisonment, but he made the best of it and he shone with that integrity. And regardless of the challenges that he faced, being sold into slavery, his future looking bleak, he displays that character. And I think there's something that we can learn because even in prison, before long, he is the one running the show. Can you imagine that? You know, that everything is put into your care. What kind of man was this? What kind of character was this? Doing the right thing, even though he was going to be misjudged. His life of integrity and the blessing of God was so evident on his life. And God had a bigger plan. I was talking to Zoe just the other day saying, what was, did he know God's big plan? Because he had these dreams, didn't he? That his brothers and even his mother and father would bow down to him. So he'd seen that. He'd had that, maybe foolishly overshared, you know, with people. That can be a problem, can't it? Oversharing with some people. And it was a problem for him. But then he's placed in the prison. And then the next chapter, which I didn't read, he's brought out of prison. And then he's made second in command under Pharaoh. And he saves a nation from starvation. I mean, this is the big picture. But you can, Joseph didn't know all of this was going to happen. We know it because we heard it in Sunday school. We've seen it, and, but he's not seeing it. He's living it, but he still holds out. I think that's an amazing lesson that we can learn today because we don't know the end. And this is a Messiah story. You know, the, the Old Testament is full of references to the Messiah, to what Christ um, would ultimately do. These characters did this in part. So he saved the nation. Moses was another Messiah character. David was another Messianic character. You know, saving a whole nation. But he also saved the, the Hebrews, but he saved Egypt too from because um, he was able to interpret dreams and he had this gift, didn't he? But Christ also took judgment for us. I wonder if you were sitting at the foot of the cross and you see the Christ whom you've been following now being crucified as a criminal. And many would have assumed that he was a criminal. Many would have assumed that it was his own sin that put him there. 
But it wasn't. It was our sin that put him there. And he took the judgment of the world, yet he stayed silent. That criminal death that he died and said nothing in his own defense, he took the sin of the world and kept quiet. In human terms, integrity is the quality of being honest, having strong moral principles or moral uprightness. It's that personal choice to hold oneself to a consistent moral, ethical standards. I think people of integrity are those who stand by the word of God or the truth of God's word. People who have the strength and integrity to show love to one another, to not hold something against somebody, but to walk in love and forgiveness and humility. I think humility is one of those keys. Now, Joseph was humbled, yet God exalted him. And maybe that was a lesson that he needed to learn with his brothers. But I love that story where he, he kind of tricks his brothers. And um, it always just makes me well up inside because he, he then reveals himself to them and forgives them and hugs them. And it's just, ah, that, I'd have to read that. And I'd have to do that one another time. But that humility, that humility that says, um, I own my weakness because in my weakness, Christ's strength is made manifest. He was humbled, Joseph, in prison. He was humbled and yet God exalted him. You see, we can have false humility. False humility is where we say, um, God doesn't care about me. God's too big. I'm too small. You know, we view ourselves as if we're insignificant and don't matter. That's not the same as a godly um, humility that says, even though I am weak, through my God I am strong. And that's the kind of humility we need. Another thought is ones with integrity are able to love from a pure heart. Integrity meaning that we don't have some kind of hidden agenda or we're not trying to manipulate others um, through, I don't know, uh, what, we, what we say to them or what we do or we act in a certain way until some, we bend them to our will. And one example is a Timothy from the Scripture because Paul was looking for someone and he sent him, didn't he, to the various churches. He sent him to Corinth and he sent him to Ephesus. And uh, he was looking for someone who had sincerity, someone that looked out for others' interests and not just his own. He looked for someone who he could trust. And he says, we have many instructors, but we have few father figures. You know, and if we're looking for someone that's going to hold out and actually follow through, that's what Paul was looking for. He's looking for that Timothy with that integrity. And I think we're faced today with challenges of, of, of many people uh, guilty of virtue signaling. You know what that is, virtue signaling. It's, it's saying uh, the right things, but actually we're not following them through and we're not living them out in our lives. It's something that the church has been accused of in the past, of hypocrisy, is preaching one thing yet living another. But I think we see it in all our culture today. We see people... Um, you know, posting something on social media because they want to present a certain image or present them as, um, I don't know, kosher to the world and cozying up to the, the standards of the world and not um, posting things 
that would be the opposite to them and get them cancelled. But we don't want to be just virtue signaling. We want to be people of virtue. We want to be people, men and women of God, that don't just pretend to love people and then look out for their own interests, but genuinely love. In 1 Timothy 1.5, it says simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit, counterfeit faith, a life open to God. My next point is when we've done all to stand, then we stand. You know, time and time again, Joseph would refuse to, to, to lie with Potiphar's wife. He says, this is, a sin against, this is a sin against God. This is not just, you know, me making a mistake. This is something that's, you know, big picture here. If I live this way and I entertain these thoughts, it's actually God himself that I'm sinning against. And being a man or woman of God means that we're able to stand. Ephesians says, when you've done all to stand, stand. Don't give up. And uh, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, we have troubles all around, but we're not defeated. We do not know what to do, but we don't give up hope of living. We're persecuted, but God doesn't leave us. We're hurt sometimes, but we're not destroyed. So we do not give up. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker, but our spirit inside is made new every day. We have small troubles. Bless him, he did have small troubles, didn't he? For a while. But they're helping us gain an eternal glory, which is so much greater than our troubles. This is, again, big picture stuff. We set our eyes on not what we can see, but what we cannot see. What we see lasts for a short time. What we cannot see lasts forever. So when we understand that we are new creations, that old things are passed away, when we understand that our mind is being renewed, we understand that we can begin to resist temptation. And maybe that is renewing our mind. Maybe that is gaining a perspective of a bigger picture. Maybe when it comes to our, uh, the thoughts that come to us, we do not have to act on those thoughts. That, that temptation is thoughts that come to us. The sin is then to act upon those thoughts. The temptation that Joseph faced was constant, daily basis, trying to entice him. But he said, no, I'm going to hold my integrity. I will not sin. And he, he shut that situation down. And sometimes we have thoughts that we just have to shut down. And say, no, I'm not going to go there because I'm going to hold my integrity. There may be situations that we know that we need to avoid. We don't need to place ourselves in compromising situations. We don't need to allow the, the circumstances around us. Maybe we know that we're weak in certain areas. Then we don't need to put ourselves in those situations. 2 Corinthians 10 says, we capture every thought and make it give up and obey Christ. Do our thoughts obey Christ? We can't seem to stop some thoughts coming into our mind, but we can certainly stop them taking root. Great men and women of God have fallen for temptation by not avoiding compromising situations, allowing the thoughts to take root in them. And in some situations like Joseph and Potiphar's wife, he, the only thing he could do was run. And even if that meant leaving his coat behind, he was like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm running out into the field. And sometimes you just have to make a run for it. 
And but maybe the battle is often, often, often maybe, the battle is often in our minds. But we are to put on the mindset of the character of the new person in Christ. As Christians, our minds are set on heavenly things. Our actions then tend to follow our thoughts. So what do we fill our thoughts with? Colossians says this, chapter 3, Since you've been raised from the dead with Christ, aim at what is in heaven, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Think only about the things in heaven, not the things on earth. Your old sinful self has died and your new life is kept with Christ in God. Christ is your life and when he comes again, you'll share his glory. God has chosen you to be his holy people. He loves you. So clothe yourself with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another. Forgive each other. If someone has done some wrong, forgive that person because the Lord has forgiven you. Even more than this, clothe yourself with love. Love is what holds you together in perfect unity. And let the peace that, the peace that Christ gives control your thinking because you are called together in one body to have peace and always be thankful. Let the teachings of Christ dwell in you richly. I mean, I could just have a whole sermon on Colossians 3. But maybe there's thoughts, there maybe there's uh, ways of thinking that have built up strongholds in our lives. Maybe it's not just an overnight that your mind is going to be renewed, that there's a process of Christ in you, working in you, the continual reminder, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. That's my old Giles. He doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't live that way anymore. No, he lives for Christ. His old life was buried with Christ and his new life is in Christ. As Christ rose from the dead, he rises us from the dead. In, in, in that newness of life, we live, we move, and we have our being. And we remi- renew our thinking, reminding ourselves of the grace of God, that he loved us while we were yet sinners. How much more does he love us today? Let me just close with this. I believe like Joseph, God stands with people of integrity. He stood with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, and God will stand with us too. And God's begun a good work in us, and we need to be encouraged by that, but also challenged that when we're going through a hard time, we can hold true to the faith that Christ has given us. And as Rosie said earlier, you know, it's help me. You know, the Holy Spirit is here to help each and every one of us now. And I know sometimes we've done all that we can to do to stand. We've resisted temptation. We've left that old life behind. What do I do now? Stand. Stand. You've done all to stand. You've come so far. That's why I said at the beginning, your testimony is so important. Remember what God's done for you. You know, and I think Joseph perhaps was thinking, you know, remember that vision I had. Remember that dream. Remember when God spoke to me that I would be exalted. And he's sitting in the dungeon in the dark. You know, he's in the pit, but he knows God's promise on his life. He knows there's a big picture going on here. And when he's done all in his own strength, I'm sure he cried out to God. And I think God wants to help us to live that life of integrity, that we can love from a pure heart, that we can stand firm, that we can renew our thinking, that we can resist temptation, that we can think beyond ourselves and see the big picture, renew our minds, stay away from danger, or run away if we have to. 
and continue to believe in the value of integrity, even in hardship. Amen. Let's just stand, shall we? Maybe you're listening and watching and you haven't given your life to Jesus. You haven't surrendered that life. And you don't know what I mean by leaving your old life behind because you're living that old life. And you know things have been tough. And you've faced hardships. But the Holy Spirit is here to lift us, to help us, to renew us, and to restore us. And I'm not going to wave a magic wand and make all these thoughts and temptations and feelings disappear. But I am going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. I am going to ask the Holy Spirit to be here right now with you. Lord, we trust in you. We believe in you. We know that you have steadfast love for us and you want us to walk in that steadfastness and that faithfulness. Amen.